You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we are buzzing into episode 81. And uh, before we get into the, the meat of things, yes. there is something we have to address, Fran. Oh. And that's oh. how independently we both became bearded men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were... I uh, When we went to the Adirondacks, I went a few days without shaving, mm-hmm. and it's the first time I... I went without shaving in probably five years, and I forgot how much – you know, I originally I had a pretty long beard. Yeah, and you I, didn't. I didn't like how gray it had become, mm-hmm. so I shaved it. But short, I'm like, well, you know, I actually – it's not that bad. Short, I kind of like it. I'm going to grow it back, and look, well, uh, here we are. Yeah, mine was out of pure laziness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. It's, uh, I, it's one of the things like that. He used to give me a really hard time over that I was like – but he was raised – as uh in the 50s and 60s you woke up you shaved every morning and that's just not what my generation does and um so yeah i don't shave every morning it's like i'll i'll shave every once in a while and i'll like just keep it trimmed i guess in between but yeah i just hadn't done it it's just been like my mornings have been a little bit tighter than usual so i just hadn't done it and then i had a a dinner i was going to i'm like i gotta clean this up and i don't have time to just shave the whole thing i was already like we have to leave in 15 minutes, and I just got home and had to shower and change and everything. So, yeah, then uh, I just kind of trimmed it up. I, and... I will say it's partially – it is partially out of laziness to not yeah. have to constantly shave. And it is November, which is no-shave November typically, right? So it's it seemed like a good time to do it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's – it's. I'm enjoying it. We'll see how long it lasts. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always had facial hair for for over 20 years of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's getting a lot just more. Just leave direct. a mustache. We should no. become mustache men, and then uh, that is not happening. <laughs> it's I, a it's a look that's just. A, I guess is an acquired taste. Only certain people can have that I, look. I will say this: We Agatha and I went out to brunch on Sunday. Out of all, and, and this place was packed. Because it was right before a football game as well. It was really hard pressed to find one person without a beard, one male without a mm. beard. Yeah. And the gentleman that didn't have the beard did have a mustache. So every man in that entire place had facial hair, Interesting. which is yeah. which is really weird. All right, yeah. one more side tangent on this. <laughs> so I had worked at another place where I, I would maybe only shave once a week and I got – being in management, I got talked to about it, mm-hmm. and I was saying that I had a lot of issues, like skin issues with shaving, yeah, yep. and I actually had one of the vice presidents say, you know, maybe you were never taught properly how to shave and went through sh- – he bought me shave products like mm-hmm. pre-shave oil, all these things, and went over with me the proper way to shave, and it turned me into like for a long time like – like I loved shaving. It went from something yeah. I absolutely hated to something I loved the ritual and routine of, like mm. getting up shaving or or shaving the night before. But yeah, I was just getting a little, yeah, little lazy me. this time. <laughs> <laughs> but but before I have to hear it again from from Bill Young and Bladen Rothhauser, how we talk about all this random stuff, yes. we should get into the meat of today, and we do I, have a lot of of meaty subjects. We do coming up and. Um, and I guess, I guess especially how you can deal with some of those meaty subjects. <laughs> but we always like to kick it off outside of one episode. We always like to kick it off with a segment we call That's Hot. So let's start there. That's hot. All right. We we never figured this out ahead of time. Would you like to go first or would you like me I'm to go first? I'm going to let you go first. All right. So, and again, one of those things where I have no idea if this plant's been chosen before. At mm-hmm. some point, like you said, now that we know that there's a file on – the website. I don't know when yeah. we're going to get a chance to do this. Yeah, when we, we have probably, the time, we'll, we, should probably, we will eventually utilize that section on our on our Facebook page, the files section, where we can put a list together of what we've yeah. actually chosen in the past. And, and you know, it's not that I remember doing this plant, but we're limited at this time of the mm-hmm. year of what yeah. what looks hot. So I kind of feel like we had to have done it at some point. I just don't know. But 
My choice is Christmas fern, which is Polystichum acrostichoides, um, which is a uh, facultative upland shade-tolerant uh, fern. Um, and it's named Christmas fern because it holds its green color till right around Christmas or just after Christmas. So it looks great even though a lot of things are are going dormant. It still looks like a, an oasis. If you mm-hmm. find a patch in the wild, like it stands out because it's still very green. Mm-hmm. Um, it's native from Maine to Florida, uh, southwest to Texas. Um, it does attract uh, – is it rough grouse or ruffled grouse? Rough. It is rough grass. Yes. I yeah. my whole life, I'm today years old. I always thought it was ruffled grass. <laughs> yeah. um, the Cherokee use Christmas fern to treat stomachache and pneumonia, mm. uh, and toothaches and chills. The Iroquois also used to plant to treat a wide range of uh, medicinal or medical problems, including rheumatism, consumption, convulsions, and fevers. So. I, I, I always like adding that. I think yeah. it's interesting. Oh, yeah, and I out. did not add that to mine. I'm sure um, what I chose this week does have some medicinal <laughs> benefits uh, historically, but I didn't look into them. And uh, and I chose another one that's a little bit different, kind of like you did yeah. two weeks ago with, with the Eupatorium maculatum. Um, I chose Swamp Rose, which is Rosa palustris, and it would just happen to strike me when I was walking through the nursery uh, making a video for a YouTube account, and I kind of just walked by and I'm like, ooh, this looks really cool right now. And it's uh, when you look up on our website and it has the fall color section, yeah. it just says red. Yeah. But this was way more than red. There was yellows, there was oranges, there was bright pinks, there was deep reds, light reds, fire reds. It was just like a, a really unique mix of colors that I wasn't expecting to see out of something that I just didn't have consider having noticeable fall color. You know, I think the name Swamp Rose throws people off mm-hmm. to almost – it gives it like a negative stigmatism yeah. just like it's like a thorny wetland rose. Yes. That's, yep. that's just kind of like there oh, to and be it is, nuisance. It is thorny. It is thorny. It's, and yeah. it's multi-stemmed and has a lot of thorns and it's one of those <laughs> ones that you don't like to move around in the nursery because you're going to come away with a bunch of little cuts and scratches. Totally. But – it's really a beautiful plant, and it fills a niche. It grows in those swampy areas where uh, you have a, a wetter area. You can put this; it's going to thrive in a lot of cases. Um, has really not that that it's it's a, a rose, but it's not that conventional English style rose that everyone thinks of with yeah. with like the big red petals and it's, all that. It's a little; it's just a, a it, native rose flower. It remem- resembles more a shrub rose mm-hmm. yeah. um, than it, which it is. It's yeah. not like a hybrid tea; it's a shrub rose. So and uh, and those those uh, flowers are pink, and um, then it has uh, red rose rose hips as well, which I believe you can harvest. And uh, Kelly Gill's tip was make sure you try and get the hairs off because they yeah. can be a little unpalatable. But yeah, that's a great choice. Two great choices, and it's uh you know it's I I think especially this time of the year it's important important to point out the things that still look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just re envisioning what beauty is yeah, and it's exactly. like it's with a lot especially in the, the northeast where everything is is where we're at pretty dormant mm-hmm. yeah. um it's it's nice to find those little gems and i think both of these are yeah. are good gems so but They're no those are two good choices and uh moving right along let's go into this week's botany based current events of course we make it a competition let's move along to this or that you can get with this or you can get with that so, so controversy this con- time. Controversy, probably more votes than we've ever had mm-hmm. total or close to it. It's I would think. I yeah. was I think really the change in Facebook groups that people mm-hmm. can vote without joining. Yeah. Um changed the amount of people that interact. But we do have a winner, and the winner is It's me, twenty to eleven. Yes. And and to be honest, I would not have guessed that. So if mine was on uh the invasive study on trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it relates to an invasive species, and yours was on the Dayton Airport. Yeah, and as far yeah. as uh, and, uh, experimenting with so, birds. which I was following a theme the the week before. I talked about the was it the Rockford Airport near Chicago mm. or in Illinois? I shouldn't say it's near Chicago. I'm not sure where Rockford is, but um, <laughs> I think it's like an hour outside. I'm not. I do know it's that. in Illinois, <laughs> but uh, so I kept on that theme, and uh, and I guess in my vaccine induced haze, I usually look at the dates, or yeah. I do look at the dates. And I looked at the dates, and for some reason, I thought that said it was published on November 5th of 2021. And then uh, later that evening, 
in fact, when I was getting ready to go to this dinner, but I didn't, that I had to shave a little for, um, I had pulled up my phone and saw on Facebook and Benjamin Vogt has his page milk the weed. Yeah. He says, Oh, watch out the Dayton airport articles going around again. Just so you know, this was like many years old and it didn't end well. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, I could have sworn. I saw it said November 5th, 2021 looked again. It said November like 26th of, of, 2014 <laughs> and i'm like oh Ooh. this was pretty old and um so i did look more into it and i guess uh i don't know i couldn't find much that happened with what they were studying but eventually they looked to the the city wanted to expand the airport into that ground that they were planning on putting in prairie if they hadn't put it in prairie and actually encroaching on other prairie areas oh. and then threatening prairie areas that were outside the grounds as well. Um, gotcha. And now that was from 2019. Uh, I know that they were successful. Uh, well, an environmentalist group, from an environmentalist standpoint, it was successful in getting the airport to not expand as of 2019. Uh, and the, the interest group that came in that wanted to make a big investment, they pulled out because of all the, the feedback they were getting. I couldn't, I I guess I probably didn't look hard enough to see what's happened in the last two years yeah. since then. But yeah, I was uh, pretty embarrassed when I'm like, "Oh, this is an old article that didn't have the the effects that I thought it would." Which makes sense because when I was reading, I'm like, "This sounds really familiar with something I've read before." I just assumed it was the article I read yeah. weeks earlier. <laughs> but um, yeah, so sorry about that for throwing something up that that was older. I but. I don't know if that's what led to the vote shift. Yeah. I'm just really shocked. The article I chose was a little selfish, mm-hmm. and I didn't choose it as an article that I really thought would win, if that makes sense. Like, I I, gotcha. like it fascinated yeah. me, but I didn't think mm-hmm. I would win, so I'm kind of shocked that I won, and I won by that amount, which just proves I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it's okay because we do have two new articles yeah. that I double-checked mine to make sure it was current. Oh, I didn't uh, double-check mine. I don't know. There's still time. You can do it right now. <laughs> you can choose for me to go first. You I, can check. No, no, I'm, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go right. first. And if and if it's controversial in the respect that it's old, then I'll deal with it. But um, the name of my article is "How Native American Plant Meds Treat Pain and Diarrhea," and that was uh, on Futurity.com, and it was by UC Irvine. Um, and I really thought this tied in well, like we just talked about it with. With mm-hmm. Christmas fern, yeah. and a lot of the times we do this, uh, or that's hot. Mm-hmm. We talk about a lot of the Native Amer- American uses. So, yeah. and, and, as, and Fran, you are safe. It came out on November eighteenth of okay. twenty twenty one. So All right, good. Very so current. I, I, the funny thing is, whenever we find an, a Native American use, it always seems to be for. Diary, <laughs> diary. Yeah. Not all that. It just seems to happen a lot. It, which it I does seem to happen a lot. It seems like everything that you read. Oh yeah, this was used to cure diarrhea. By Native Americans, and it just seems maybe me, it was a more maybe common Native Americans had a lot of diarrhea, yeah. or it was a more it was common, just they were wanting yeah. to try everything to, to see if they could stop this. All right, and before I read this article, I will say because we've been we've been researching and doing prep work for the upcoming podcast, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that we want to focus on for each plant. Yeah. It is amazing to me, amazing how many plants like elderberry, mm-hmm. like you can eat the berries, you can eat the flowers. But the rest of the plant is poisonous and toxic to humans. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many plants. So if you think of all the things that have been tried, how many people had to die yeah. to or find just get out, really sick, or yeah. get really sick to realize the berry is delicious or the flower is delicious, but don't you yeah. dare eat don't, the leaf yeah. or the <laughs> the leaf? You can make tea, but you can't use anything any other part of the plant. It yep. just yep. it just amazes me because I just yeah. think about the amount of people that had to well, get ill. A, I can't remember the name of the the doctor. I, I'm a, I, he was called doctor. I don't know if he's an actual doctor, yeah. or a, a fake doctor, but they were presenting something on um, on vegetarian diets versus uh, versus I well, meat focused diets, and saying how important it was to eat organ meats because that held a lot of the nutrients, and because they were filter organs in a sense. Yeah. Um, it held a lot of the extra nutrients that were filtered out through people's diets or through their digestive tract from what they were eating. But they were re- he really keyed in on saying that 
every like nutrient you need you can get from meat, but not everything nutrient you need you can get from plants. Yeah. And um and how the animal that was eating all this stuff kind of put it in a way that you could digest it for you instead of you eating the plant and, and yeah. figuring out. So yeah, I couldn't I forget exactly the comment that you said. Yeah, the amount of people that died. Yeah, yeah I guess that was is part of it. Yeah, let the, the cow but, figure it out. But even for me, like I have a lot, you know, I would I would probably eat more vegan except for I have a lot of mm-hmm. allergies to nuts and seeds. Mm-hmm. And I have to really read the ingredients for a lot of these things and it's it's almost easier for me to just mm-hmm. be a meat eater because of my allergies yeah. but i i don't know if allergies were as prevalent back then too like mm-hmm. if someone ate something and died and they had an allergic reaction how long would it take for someone else to eat it again yeah. <laughs> eat yeah. it again to know that it was just mm-hmm. him you know, or that person but all right anyway so I'm I'm going to read the bulk of the article. I did edit some of it out. It's not the entire article, but I wanted to make sure I got a good thing. I'm going to choose mm-hmm. to go first, but uh, the researchers reveal a striking pattern following a functional screen of extracts from plants collected in Muir, Wo- Muir Woods National Monument in coastal redwood forest land in California. The study published in Frontiers in Physiology found plants that activated the KCNQ two-thirds potassium channel, a protein that passes electrical impulses in the brain and other tissues, has a long history of use by Native Americans as topical analgesics um, to treat conditions such as insect bites, stings, sores, and burns. Less intuitively, the same plants that activated this uh, were used as folk uh, analgesics, were often used in gastronomical aids, especially for preventing diarrhea. Done in collaboration with the U.S. National Park Service, the study illustrates how much there is still to learn from medicinal practices of Native Americans and how by applying molecular mechanic, uh, mechanistic approaches, we can highlight their ingenuity, provide molecular rationalizations for their specific uses of plants, and potentially uncover new medicines from plants. Um, says Jeffrey Abbott, professor in the Department of Physiology and Biophysics at the University of California, Irvine School of Medicine. Um, the KCNQ two-thirds is present in nerve cells that sense pain, and its activation would be expected to soothe pain by disfavoring transmission of the pain signal. The breakthrough finding came when the team discovered that the same plant extracts that activate this have the opposite effect on the related intest- uh, intestinal potassium channel, KCNQ1 and KCNE3. This finding is striking as previous studies on modern medicines showed that KCNQ1 and KCNE3 inhibitors can prevent diarrhea. The Abbott Lab currently has undertaken a much broader screen of native U.S. plants towards these goals. Already they've shown that uh, – do you know how to pronounce that word? Quercetin? Quercetin and tannic and gallic acids prevent uh, – present in several of the plants studied explain many of the beneficial effects of the plants. The team also identified binding sites on the channel proteins that produces the effect. With this knowledge at the molecular level of compounds that can activate versus inhibit closely related human ion channel proteins, future work can be directed at improving drug specificity uh, and therefore safety while retaining efficacy. Efficacy? Efficacy, yeah. Wow. Uh, More specifically, medicinal chemistry approaches can be applied to further optimize the plant compounds with the goal of treating pain and uh, secretory diarrhea. According to the CDC… Diarrheal diseases account for one in nine child deaths worldwide. Incredibly, diarrhea kills over 2,000 children every day worldwide, more than AIDS, malaria, and measles combined. That stat blew mm-hmm. my mind. Um, I didn't realize that it was as deadly. Oh, I, yeah. It's, it's yeah. something that we all joke about, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't realize that it was something as deadly as it is worldwide. Yeah. And well, it's, how, it's so incredibly dehydrating Yeah, that it – like it, it can really – things can go sour very fast. Mm-hmm. And, but it's nice to see you know, when Native Americans had a much different connectivity with the land mm-hmm. and a lot of these uses as science comes in and says scientifically these things are better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just amazing how much more correct they were in a lot of cases. I even think back to – you know, just early early Americana 
people making up tonics like Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like this will make this, you know, without the properties, it was just basically passing drugs to you to feel better or mm -hmm. feel a certain way. Um, but this was actually like they were much more closer than we maybe initially or our forefathers thought. Mm -hmm. And I like that the science is sh coming back around to this and yeah. saying, hey, a lot of these native plants may have healing properties that we're overlooking for some of these synthetic um, applications that are being created. So mm -hmm. I just thought it was interesting with, with all the conversations. That yeah, had. no, it definitely is. And it like we pointed out at the end of the article, it's – a major problem worldwide and um and the solutions today tend to be very um while well, scientific uh what's the word i'm looking for um i'm blanking basically they're they're man-made they yeah. aren't natural and that's not saying one is better than the other but if we're able to get more if if it's easier to acquire these treatments because there's natural uh, yeah. choices and now you just have more of it out there well that's an overall good thing so if it means we can look at uh christmas fern for instance and say oh we can use this and maybe it's not as effective maybe it's more effective yeah. but maybe it's not as effective but now we can prescribe this christmas fern pill or, or, or drops or whatever we or, create out of it and it cuts into that supply chain that we can then spread out the, throughout the world, well, that's a good thing overall. Or or, or I guess what's probably more likely is they'll create a synthesized compound replicate. Because yeah. aspirin, mm -hmm. I know what did – I can't remember which plant aspirin was. Is that willow? I think yeah. – I can't remember if it was willow, but I know mm -hmm. it was something present in plants yeah. that they synthesized. Um, you know, So maybe something like that could happen. But mm -hmm. I just – you know, I wonder how many plants we've lost or that are in danger that have properties mm -hmm. that we're completely unaware yeah. of that if – if, if or, it was known, might realistically maybe we held on to them because those were the ones that, that we chose, yeah. And that's what's we lost the ones that we hadn't found uses for. That's true. But we kept that's the true. ones that we well, we know that's what what happened with a lot of Native American cultures that they kept the plants around that they found useful, found useful and they were yeah. cultivating the the ground like we are today, yeah. not at the same scale, but yeah. like we are today. But it was being done, so yeah. So that's mine. So I'm curious to see what you what you have this week. Yeah. So and mine is is very timely. It came out on November 1st of this year. Oh, okay. So. All right. <laughs> but and it was from uh, Grower Talks, and uh, the title was "Keep Good Seeds from Going Bad" by Jerry Gorchels. Okay. And um, it was a little more technical than uh, since it was in Grower Talks. It's really geared towards. Uh, greenhouses already yeah. but um but there's some really good information that i wanted to pass along to our listeners who might not be as technical with their their own uh seed saving if they're getting into that so i'll read a little bit and then i'm going to chime in right. my, my two cents every year there so uh the article starts first of all i wanted to start by saying that it's best to use all the seed you purchase for the season carryover seed isn't a good practice for the best quality leave the seed storage issues to the breeder producers and seed distribution they have cyclical germ or seed germ testing in place to make sure that they have the best seed quality, which is a really good point to start yeah, off with. Totally, totally. Um, we're in a place where we don't buy seed as a nursery, but if I'm buying vegetable seed at home, I'm not. Well, I have the luxury I could store it properly if I chose to. <laughs> what ends up happening is I tend to just kind of throw it in the the open envelope, and I only use half the seed, and I throw the envelope in the fridge or in a drawer or something like that. I'm not storing it in the best conditions to maintain that germination percentage. I was going to say, do you know how many so. half-open seed packets end up in, <laughs> yeah. in kitchen drawers? Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, oh, yeah, look at that. I think this is like two, three years old. And while it may still have germination possibilities the following year or three years or four years from now, like yeah. I tried out this, yeah. this past spring, um, that's not always the case. Uh, so if you have the luxury to do so, if you're only buying a few seed packets for a vegetable garden or flower seeds, sometimes it's better just get it every year and, and spend a couple more dollars every year uh, instead of saving some of that seed just because you know the producer is going to have the technology to preserve that seed and, and maintain its germination possibilities uh, for a longer period of time than you will at home. So that's one thing to consider. But if you want to do this self or you're collecting your own seed, uh, basically what he ruled into next and said, there's an easy equation a grower can follow for seed storage conditions. This involves temperature in Fahrenheit and the relative humidity percent. These two numbers should never add up to over 100. Uh, 
Um, ideally, the temperature for longer lasting seed storage should be 40 degrees. The relative humidity should be somewhere between 25 and 40 percent. Higher relative humidity can cause faster degradation of the seed. Lower relative humidity can actually degrade the seed by drying it out. Remember, the seed endosporum is a soft tissue that you do not want to dry out. Um, if it gets too dry, you'll you'll run into issues. If it's too wet, uh, if it's too humid, that's when you can have like mold and, and fungal issues yeah. start up. With our seed cooler at the nursery, we uh, and we have like a big seed vault, well, actually multiple, and we keep those uh, our our dry seed storage. We shoot for fifty degrees Fahrenheit, fifty percent humidity. Yeah. Um, we don't that, and that's at the highest yeah. for same reasons. We don't want it to get too dry because then you ruin your viability of the seed. Too wet or too humid, that's when you're going to have. Um, molding and, and all kinds of other issues that make it unsaleable. So that's always been our target. Our germination cooler, I think we keep it at 38. Yeah. And, um, and because those tend to be in sealed bags, we don't have to worry about as humidity as much because they're airtight. So, and you don't want them to start sprouting. Exactly. You, yeah. yeah. It's, that's the other yeah. big reason with the temperature is if it's too hot, then you can have – well. I think they get it. I'm actually it's okay. the paragraph in, in here. But um so the other thing to consider is a lot of places don't have seed vaults, but they do have something that just about everyone has at home and that's a refrigerator. So another thing to keep in mind when you're when I'm saying all this stuff is you don't need to have the most technical you have you have something that's pretty technologically advanced in your kitchen already or in your dorm, dorm room yeah. or wherever you have it already. It's just utilizing it the proper way. So uh Back to the article, let's go back to the air temperature and relative humidity relationship. Warm air holds more humidity, but when the air temperature drops, that humidity is transferred into water in the form of condensation. This condensation can be detrimental to the quality of the seed storage. If the seed packets are sealed, not as critical. When the seed packets are opened and the unused seed is put back into unregulated relative humidity storage, condensation will form in the seed packet, accelerating the degradation of the seed. This condensation will also cause issues when the seed is brought back out to sow. Seeds will stick together, pellets will crumble as they dry, et cetera. There's some issues that can happen for that. And I've seen that firsthand where you get a little bit too much moisture in that bag yeah. and all of a sudden you pull it out and it's not breaking up. It's not they aren't individual seeds anymore, they're kind of clumps. Yeah. It makes it a lot harder to get uniform dispersal uh with with that seed. Um Think what you want to think about next is how we handle and control the unwanted humidity in your refrigerator. The seeds we receive are usually in cardboard boxes that line up really nicely in the refrigerator. Uh, but one option is to take those seed packets out of the boxes and store them in tightly sealed containers, uh, like a Tupperware or, or a Ziploc bag, those kind of things. Um, something with Loctite lids, something that the air is not going to get in and out of yeah. as easily. Um, this now you've taken the humidity of the refrigerator out of the equation. It's only the humidity that's inside that little box. So if you can make sure that it's dry when you seal it and, and it's not a humid day in your kitchen, you seal it out there, you put it in the fridge. Now it doesn't matter if you have lots of nice lettuce and fruit and all that <laughs> stuff that's going to raise your, your fridge humidity because it's in that locked container. Um, and then if you want to have even more control over the humidity is, uh, is what they recommend is lining those containers, the bottoms of them with uh, a little bit of uncooked rice. Same concept is with your phone when you drop it in the toilet, like I have before. You drop it in, <laughs> in, a, it in a pond or wherever. You get your phone wet. You put it in a bag of rice. It sucks up some of that extra moisture that's now in your phone. Um, same concept here. If you have it in a, in in rice or over top of rice, that's going to take up some of that moisture. So those are the real keys. Now, if you're collecting your own seed at home, is just you got to keep it. You got to get dried out first. Uh, which you can often do just by leaving it on a, you know, not so windy place out in the sun, and then it's it's making sure it stays dry. Um, which, like I said, you can put it in a if you know it's dry, you can just put it in a Ziploc bag, yeah. keep it in your fridge, and now you don't have to worry about the humidity changing. You don't really have to worry about the temperature changing unless you have kids and they like to leave the <laughs> fridge doors open, which you should be yelling at them already not to do that. <laughs> this is just one more reason that they can't leave the fridge That's doors true. open. But um, but you can save a lot of your own seed 
for a long, long time. Like I'm when I say a long time, I'm not just talking from one year to the next. I'm talking sometimes three, four, five years, depending on the species. There's some species that don't just don't hold up as well, yeah. but there's others that can really hold up for a long time. Um, another component that they didn't talk about in the article is actually stratifying your seed this way. And that's actually putting it in a, a moist medium, uh, whether it's sand or, or soil or peat or something like that. And you can actually stratify your seed in a somewhat more moist environment that's going to help break down that seed coat. And you're gotcha. giving it the cold like you would get from a, a uh, well, if it was in the ground outside, you're getting that cold. Yeah. And you're, you're, well, things like milkweed need. What, at least thirty days of of cold moist stratification yeah. for a lot of a lot of different kinds of milkweeds. So, and six sometimes it's sixty days, sometimes it's ninety days. So, um, and if you don't get that, they're far less likely to germinate. There might be some, but way fewer of them will germinate. Right. So, that's I, another thing you can do with your your fridge at home is just stratify seed in your fridge. These these are all great tips. I yeah. think more than anything, when we get questions, we get more questions about seed and storage and um stratification than Mm -hmm. probably anything else oh yeah and which is good because that means people are being proactive and trying to grow some of these things that they can't find on the market yep Uh, and um was it prayer moon has a great guide for stratifying seed because they sell so much many seed packets uh they have a really good guide for how to stratify a lot of this stuff at home um, which I don't think you need to buy a packet to actually get it. I think it's just on their website, and they have website, little guides yeah. for for each species. And um, and at the same time, everyone has their own little techniques. Like our propagator here, he has different techniques, and he doesn't like to share them. <laughs> and I'm sure no, there's other folks that, that they, they everyone has their little techniques where they figured out something that's a little bit different than someone else, and they have a little bit more success. So have fun with this too. Try different things. Experiment a little bit. Uh, if you have 100 seeds and you only want 20 plants out of it, well, still try and grow all 100, but maybe try 20 like this and 20 like that. And then if you have extra, give them away. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Like the uh, the seed library. Yeah, exactly. Like that's perfect perfect to trade and share, mm-hmm. kind of like the seed exchange at the Need to Plant uh, Society in New Jersey. Exactly, all those types yeah. of things. So. so, Yeah, but there's there's ways you can do this at home. You don't need super technical equipment. The big things is just maintaining that that humidity and that um, and the temperature. If you can maintain those, you're going it's it's already a lot more technical than than just leaving it in a drawer and, and anything like that. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Two great articles. And of course we're gonna put this up on the Facebook group. You no longer have to join to vote. You can go to the Facebook group and look for the uh, poll. Uh, but two really great articles. I think I got a three week Win streak on you, Tom. I think so you Tom, do. It might even be longer than Tom, that. Tom needs this one, but uh, make sure you vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. So, um, listener shoutouts. You ready? You want? You want to go to that next? Yeah, let's do it. But I'm going to okay. let you go first. All right, no problem. Listener, listener, shout out, shout out, shout out. So I had the opportunity. I was invited to a. Uh, an event at Sourlands Conservancy. Um, Carolyn Clauba has been a guest of ours a couple times. She she calls in quite regularly on the on the question and comment line, um, and she was on Women in Ecology, that rooted discussion, and also one about Sourland Conservancy. And uh, this event was to thank – they had just planted their 10,000th tree this year. Was it this year? I don't know if it was overall or this year, but it was an incredible volunteer effort, and they were they were having a gathering to – to say thank you to all the volunteers and all the people that made it happen. And I met so many of the volunteers that are doing such wonderful work and have so much passion, and so many of them uh, mentioned that they were listeners of the podcast. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came up and spent some time. I had some great conversations, and I want to thank all of you for doing great work. We appreciate that you acknowledge us, that you listen, and and you get a lot of great tips. We appreciate the fact that you're volunteering your time, and there's a lot of – you know, time is 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 a hard thing to to have excess of, and the fact that that's how you're choosing to use it, especially for such a great organization, uh, we can't thank you enough for doing such great work, and and we want to thank you. Yeah. So, and then we got another five star review, Woo. which is fantastic. Which is uh, a new listener from Indiana. Okay. Uh, whose whose name on here is NDWWB fan. 
which eventually mm. I put together, it means Notre Dame women's basketball fan. Oh, I kept going to North Dakota. I even think. Yeah. So Notre well, Dame. when it said Indiana, that's what oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame. And they actually are have a fantastic basketball team and uh, what won a championship back in 2018. Wow. So wow. I don't know if I need to give any more compliments. You're already <laughs> riding high. Your team's, your team's doing great. But no, we, we really appreciate all the listens we get from all over the place, it just blows our mind every time we're like, oh, we have someone, people listening from Indiana and South South Carolina and California and Washington and, and all over the we, place. We thought this would be a regional thing, and, uh, yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. We actually, I don't, I know we haven't talked about this in a while, but we have people listening in 85 different countries now. Wow. Which, which that completely blows my mind when I look at the charts and see how many countries were actually ranked. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Like, that's... <laughs> it just, it just it really blows me away and i you know i guess we should say thank you to everyone because it's Definitely. it's it's very flattering and humbling to to see that and we we can't thank you yeah. enough speaking yeah. of which i have no complaints i thought that was a good segue to say yeah that was no, pretty good but no. we do have a, a phone call that i know a lot of people have been anxious to hear we do i want to ask you a bunch of questions and i want to have them answered immediately it's a simple question um no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? So we we did manage to to get our three picks. Um, I had picked a, a rendition of Saul from Alyssa Lewis. You had picked one from Dash Lewis. Mm-hmm. And then our listeners voted for Deborah Rosenthal for the uh, mugshot sketch yes, of, yeah. of Saul. <laughs> Overwhelmingly. Which may have been the most realistic, if we're uh, prob- really being honest. Probably, yes. probably. So we did get the three um, three selections to Saul, and he did call in. It's been a long time. We haven't heard from Saul in a while, but he's been very busy. So I'm going to play the call. I do want to just say so you don't think there's an issue on your end at some point. During his call, Saul muted himself for about four or five seconds. So it's going to cut out, and it's going to cut back in into the middle of of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. That I, I I never thought I would lose so much track in a conversation in four seconds, <laughs> but I did on this one. I I wish I knew what was said, but with that being said, here is the winner. Hello, hello, gentlemen, my fellow pine nuts, Tom. Uh, Mr. English Muffin, Thomas, and of course, my good dear friend, Pam Balam, uh, the answer man. Fellas, I am calling. Uh, this is your friend, Saul, who I know you know, uh, with exciting news for all of us, I think, in the Pineland native community. Now, uh, Pam, I know we have spoke about the topic of sustainable uh, farmland and agriculture, and, and with your inspiration, I have changed my estate into a completely sustainable farm this year, uh, focused on native plants and uh, also allowing the deer and uh, the uh, wild turkeys to run around. Now, uh, Thomas, I believe we spoke about this back in May, that I began feeding the turkeys uh, uh, stale bread and celery so that they would already have a stuffing, if you will, for Thanksgiving. And I'm very excited from that. And I advise all the listeners uh, who might want to play along on on that for next. Here with uh, the quince and, of course, uh, the leftover crop uh, from the medlar tree. And we are making uh, preserves and jam. And I'm not quite sure what the difference is, but uh, somebody's stewing up something. And I think it's uh, the, the preserves. Are, are, have the fruit and the jam. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to enjoy that for Thanksgiving, uh, as well as the wild turkeys. And, of course, the cranberry, gentlemen. Many people do not know that the cranberry and its cousin, the craisin, is also a native plant from New Jersey. And uh, if if they float, they're good. And if not, let them sink uh, and don't eat it. That's always been my philosophy for everything. So, gentlemen, as I drive around the estate, which is now a sustainable farm, in my blunderbuss, I'm very excited. Guys, it's like someone was reading my mind. The photograph, um, no, what is it? The painting, the artwork, uh, gentlemen, of me, Saul Rosenberg, 
by Alyssa Lewis is the best one I've ever seen in my life. It's like she knew exactly who I was. And uh, I don't know if there are photos of me on the face page. There should be. But uh, Alyssa Lewis, uh, the, the famous artist, who I hope will have a wonderful career now. And I thank you. Uh, this is Saul thanking you from the bottom of my heart. I hope this will appear on uh, T-shirts. And, I, fellas, I would like one, please. Thank you. Uh, but, Alyssa, this, you captured the essence. And that's that's yeah. where it gets cut. <laughs> yeah. And we were hoping to have Saul on live to do this. We wanted to, to get him on and, uh, and have him on our Zoom so people could go on to YouTube and see him. Uh, but actually, moments before he was supposed to log on, he slipped and hit his noggin. And he actually made that call on the in, on the ambulance ride. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. And yeah. out of our lives. Exactly. So one of these days we'll get we'll get Saul on a Zoom. We'll see if he can get his uh, uh, webcam to work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, congratulations, Alyssa Lewis. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's a pretty high compliment, the best picture that's ever been drawn on him because he said he had a, a Warhol war and a Garfunkel and all kinds of yeah, stuff. In the, yeah, and he's saying this is the best one. He catch, so. captured its essence. Now, I felt part of the reason – and other people had mentioned this in the Facebook group that it kind of, to me, drew on Hunter S. Thompson, that I kind of picture Saul being a little Hunter S. Thompson-esque. And I thought it was interesting that Alyssa said she she didn't know who Hunter S. Thompson was. <laughs> so go and read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll you'll have a good understanding. But we will get a Keep It Native long sleeve shirt out to you. Mm-hmm. So we'll be in touch just to um, get a size. And uh, congratulations to all of the other entries uh, who, who who got picked. Yeah, we and had a lot of fun we, actually we looking really at did. a lot of these, and it was a, a big big hit in the office as well as we shared we, some of our favorites with them. We shared them with with people at work, with family, with with other listeners. It was it was a lot of fun. Actually, I I don't know if you know this. I actually have an original Alyssa Lewis uh, sketch. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, I do. I had to. I had to tri- barter for it, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a uh, a sketch of a red knot uh, that we're going to have matted and framed and very hung cool. up in the house. So awesome. I'm very very happy about that. So very talented. Thank you so much. Um, I think we have to at least touch on a couple things Saul said because he said course, he was yeah. driving around in a blunderbuss. I had to look it up. A blunderbuss is like an old fashioned like. I don't know if it's a gun. Like you, yeah, you know, well, know, like it's a, a, with, yeah. it's, it looks like a horn on the end. It's mm-hmm. got the big flared. Uh, is that a muzzle? No. What's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got the big flare. Like it's a cartoonish, like yeah. Elmer Fuddish. Yeah, type that's thing. a blunderbuss. Yeah. Yep. Like because I'm like, what's a blunderbuss? And I looked it up. I was like, what? I wonder yeah. what he was tr- was actually <laughs> riding around then. But who, who knows? I like I said, he was in an ambulance, so maybe yeah. he got confused. <laughs> but. Uh, have you ever heard of the Medlar fruit before? I have not, no. I have only had it mentioned to me once before because it was someone who was interviewing position at a at a former place that I worked, and he was saying that the nursery industry was completely missing the mark, and he was going to be the king of the Medlar tree, which I guess is a European and Asiatic tree with fruit, but I guess – I guess his prophecy was wrong because <laughs> no one <laughs> – not too many people have heard of it. Um but it's nice to hear that Saul has turned his estate into mm-hmm. a sustainable farm. Yeah, he's really come a long way since he, uh, he really has. I'm not sure how his his turkey diet is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't think that's how it works. But I I don't think it works that way either. But I'm I'm curious. I'm hoping Saul will at least follow up with us to let us know how his Thanksgiving meal is because I I see the Thanksgiving turkeys having him (laughs) for a meal (laughs) instead of the other way around, giving how accident prone he is. But uh, congratulations again, Alyssa. And again, thank you, everyone. We had had a a blast with this. So I would like to make this into a T-shirt if possible. Yeah, I have to figure out how to do it. I think if we Photoshop out the white and make it maybe like a PNG we can have. Yeah, it. we should be able to do it. Yeah, so we can yeah, – I think cool. we can get that done. So congratulations, everyone. Um, do you yeah. have a Grow Read a book? I don't have any books this week. All right. Uh, but playing off the, the topic of Thanksgiving, if you went back a year ago, we had a Thanksgiving yeah. episode that talked about all of the things that may have been on that first Thanksgiving yeah. table and um, whether it was an actual thing yeah. or not. And uh, 
This year we went in a slightly different direction, really keeping in, in line with, with Fran's theme today, and that was some of the things you might want to use, some of the native plants you might want to use after Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, whether you have a little bit too much to eat or a little bit too much to drink, or uh, you just need to get rid of that headache that <laughs> your uncle has really been drilling into your head all, all, all dinner. So we had a couple things that we had a little bit more fun with and um, of things that you might want to use after Thanksgiving. And, uh, and we'll start with the headaches ones. I don't want to get into our, our list of uh, antidiuretics because it's way too long. But, <laughs> but some of the things that we found that um, Native Americans and early Americans used for headaches were uh, cardinal flower leaf tea and, uh, and willow bark was another one. All right. Awesome. I, th- I think those are great. Um, so for headaches – Oh, you just said. I just said never, headaches. Never yeah. mind. I skipped it. But I was thinking we should probably add because yeah. we did talk about Christmas fern earlier yeah, yeah, yeah. that it can be used for that and also consumption. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll go to that. How about we, we go with gout? If you if you eat so much that you're coming down with gout, mm-hmm. that goldenrods, junipers, and wild roses are all symptoms to help relieve uh, symptom, or treatments that treatments that you can use symptoms. to help with yeah. sim- symptoms of gout. So, um, which, to be honest, I don't really know what gout is. It's one of those gout things is, you hear about, but you I don't, know. Um, I know it has know, to do with like indulging, uh, indulging, indulgent eating. But like, but. I think it's like a swelling of the feet. Like it's hard to to walk, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I can't remember how it ties in, but I, I I've known a few people that had issues with gout, and they had to change their diet and how they eat, yeah. how they were eating, and it kind of. It would their feet would become so swollen and painful that they had trouble walking. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Some of the things that helped with flu symptoms were uh, Rudbeckia fulgida. Okay, um, and I forget what part of it was. Was it a, was it a tea? Out I of think the it was leaves? just a tea out, tea of, the out of the leaves. Uh, they said echinacea root okay. really helped with with flu symptoms, or which flu symptoms I kind of equated to some hangover symptoms too. They tend yeah. to go in line yeah. a lot of times. Um, elderberries. Which are supposed to be high in antioxidants. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, bone set. Okay. Uh, ginseng. All right. Which is American ginseng. Which uh, makes sense. Your golden rods again. Hemlock tea. Okay. Could help. That uh, actually sounds pretty good. Sassafras. And then uh, yarrow and the dried inner bark from black cherries. Oh. Okay. Wow. So. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. So, um <laughs> I'm looking to see what I have to choose from. Uh, I'll go with flatulence, if, if uh, which you know what? Let's let's face it. If it, it's happening at Thanksgiving, whether you wanted to or not, but everyone loosens up their belt a little bit, and you got you got to make room for pie. <laughs> you do so have to make yeah. <laughs> so two of the things that can help are uh, tea made out of spotted horsemint. Um, and I think some of our listeners actually make horsemint yeah. tea. Uh, we've seen that in the and, Facebook and group. I question that. Because okay. my brother makes a lot of spotted horse mint tea, and I wouldn't say it's helped him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we need some feedback yeah. from our listeners who who use any of these remedies for fat flatulence. Uh, we need to know if they've worked or not. And then the other one is sweet flag. I don't I don't remember how that one uh, yeah. how it's used, but uh, yeah. and it, and a lot of these um, when I was looking them up, it just said this was used it used didn't really always say how okay. it was used like gotcha. i know with uh with the headaches when going back to willow bark it said you could either just really just chew right on the bark or you could make a tea out of it if okay. you wanted something that was a bit more palatable but yeah they said it's as easy as just chewing on the bark but, and that's yeah i mean and that's the the plant that had the natural the natural aspirin in it mm-hmm. yep. correct so yep. that makes makes perfect sense yeah and then uh for our 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 diarrhea and medicines uh it was rubecchia fulgida again um, the stem pith from soft rush, which I thought was uh, really help. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the inner bark from musclewood, and then making a red maple tea. Awesome. Were some of the things that would help with that, and along with so many other things that we've, we've no, I, <laughs> mentioned I, at other times. I, I thought it was very interesting because red maple tea, I believe, came up in the Facebook group, and it was Alyssa Lewis mm-hmm. that, or, or she. I think she was reading a book and they were talking about sugar encrusted maple leaves. Yeah, yeah. And she was looking for a recipe. I looked also and I could only find the same thing she found with which was deep fried maple leaves, mm-hmm. which I think that's something we're going to have to try in here. Yeah. I'm for anything deep fried. Yeah. That's Yeah, that's, we can check it out. <laughs> and that should I should just cross reference that with the flatula the flatulence the flatulence. And the, but those are those are some great uh, 
yeah. Native America Native American uh, remedies uh, yeah. with native plants for for some things you may experience on Thanksgiving. And I think it's a good tie-in. There's so much of this on um, online too. That's you really do have to check your sources. Like this this one all came from a website uh, called Legends of America slash NA dash Remedy, um, and that's where I found this. And uh, and it's I think it's credible in a way, but. At the same time, they aren't telling you exactly how to use it. So if you were, if you want to make a goldenrod tea to help with flu symptoms or to help with gout, make sure you're finding a, a no, multiple credible sources on how to do that. Um, yeah. Not everyone can be Sam Thayer where they are they're really going into the historical uh, archives and then interviewing people and then saying, you know what, some people say this will kill you and some <laughs> people say it, it's really good. I'm gonna try it. We can't all be doing no, that. and we just that. had the you conver- make sure you're you're doing your good research you, on this kind of stuff. You know, and some of these plants, you know, I'm trying to remember which plant specifically. I don't know if it was listed, but I was doing research, and it was saying that the the root was poisonous, mm-hmm. but you could use the root if it was boiled in small amounts for this to treat something. You know, we don't recommend. Yeah. <laughs> If it's poisonous, unless you're with someone that's done this and is extremely knowledgeable, please don't take the risk um, mm-hmm. and do it. It's it, like we were just saying earlier, so many parts of the plants can be toxic or poisonous to humans. Yeah. Don't, and don't take the risk. a lot of times um, what I've read too is things can be toxic, but they're fine up to a point. It's yeah. one, once you consume too much, that's when you can get a lot more sick from that. Well, wasn't it like pokeweed? Like the leaves are, are highly poisonous, mm-hmm. but if yeah. you boil them for a certain amount of yeah, time, like then mil- it's actually the same thing. Yeah. Milkweed is, is not going to be very good to you unless you – you blanch it and boil it and get a lot of those – you leach a lot of those toxins out, and then it's it's perfectly fine. There's a lot of plants that are like that yeah. where well, – even think about a lot of the vegetables that we're eating on a, true. a day-to-day basis. There's a lot of them you don't really want to eat raw. Like potato um, I think is one you're not supposed to yeah, eat raw. Yeah, potato. I've, I've eaten parts of – I've taken so, a bite of raw potato. It's not very good. You know, as a kid, I used to eat a ton of raw potato. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I, you know, I just did. So maybe that's part of my issue. <laughs> part of my issues. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of things even with our day to day diet that you don't want to consume raw. You want to cook it first. So um, just make sure when you, if you are going to actually try some of this stuff, uh, that's our big disclaimer: is make sure you're finding other sources. You aren't just saying well, Tom and Fran said it was okay. <laughs> yeah, don't so. don't. Uh... Please be careful with that. So you want to do a pod deck? Yeah, let's do it. Now, I did look through ahead of time, and we are starting to run very short. Mm-hmm. And I did look to see that they don't have a a second edition of this. So um, I thought it might be easier because they're getting harder because it's a lot of the ones that we passed yeah. on. I'd give you a couple options okay. and see if we could we could make it. See, and, and some of these are things that we've already kind of done, like four things you might not know about me. We kind of do that in the secrets, mm-hmm. so maybe that's not a good one. Um, so let's do it between these two. Describe your perfect day or talk about your guilty pleasures. Uh, let's and I was, thinking, I was thinking if we did guilty pleasures, what if we talked about guilty plant pleasures that necessarily aren't street species? It could be cultivars or non-natives that mm-hmm. are a guilty pleasure. Oh, it sounds like you want to do that one. No, I'm just throwing <laughs> – I had an yeah, let's, idea. Let's do that yeah. one since since uh, you already have some ideas for that. Okay. So, so. yeah, like I, I thought – like like I know for me one guilty pleasure for some native plants where I go with cultivars is I do love different cultivars of um, – cor- how is it? Uh, Eucara. Coral mm. bar- coral Coralberry? Coral – Coral bells, okay, is that the native? So because the flowers look like coral bells, like mm-hmm. there's deep red chocolate, chocolate color, colored foliage or or like veined foliage. Uh, same with tiarella, uh, mm-hmm. foam flower. There's a lot of like great foliage selections for that um, that I really love. And I know we we've talked about this too that uh, Amsonia hubrechtii yeah isn't native here at all. But thrived very well here, and that's like a big native, um, mm-hmm. like guilty pleasure. Like I know it's it's way out of its native zone, but I I love that plant. Yeah. So it's those are ones that I'm I'm really going against the green when when uh you know because we we always talk about trying to get local provenance straight species and mm-hmm. but you know if I if I ever stray from that those are those are the kind of things that I stray yep. on. Yep, I have. 
one that you hadn't mentioned already. And because okay. I was going to bring up the Amsonia, I have some of that in my, my home garden. I just planted some, um, Fucra and, uh, and what's the other one you just said? Oh, Tiarella. Oh, Tiarella. Yeah, yeah. I just planted some cultivars of that. And that was primarily because I, that was all I could find was cultivars. And, and that, it, but, that's part of it too. Yeah. But, uh, the big one for me, which I still just keep going back and forth on every time I say I'm going to get it, then I'm like, Oh, maybe I won't. But is um is American Beautyberry because it's not quite native here. It's native in like Maryland and South, and it's not native here. But I think it's such a cool plant. It it has so many wildlife benefits. It's so beautiful. Um, I I really like it a lot. But uh, but I I guess I've already bastardized my garden with all no, the, and, <laughs> some you, other cultivars already. No, but it's so it, I don't know why I keep going back and forth on it. it but. It's funny though, but because when you when I lived in Delaware, I actually had a few selections that I had gotten from a conference at the University of Delaware, and I had uh, like a white berried one, you know, some different yeah. things, some unusual bigger berries. And uh, another thing that's it's native more south of here is Calacanthus floridus, which I'm trying to remember the common name of that one. I want to say sweet shrub or something like that. It, it's it's got a very fragrant flower, like a like a blood red type. Like reddish brown flower, Carolina allspice. That's it, yeah. Um, you know, I that's another one that I love. There's an excellent um, episode of the Native Plant Podcast from probably like two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, just about that plant, and that's how I learned a lot about it. Where I hadn't heard much about it, and then I I brought it up to my dad. And he's like, "Yeah, we got one growing right there. Yeah, you <laughs> know, it's, growing in their yard. It's one so. of those plants that if you're in the industry, if you're in the horticultural industry, one of the textbooks." is uh the guide to woody woody plants by michael durr Mm -hmm. and it's a very for a textbook it's very opinionated (laughs) and and there's that's one of the um the plants that he raves about like absolutely raves about um all the time and you you know when he loves something and you know when he hates something like look at a flowering almond Mm -hmm. If you want to see a scathing uh, description of a of a plant, that's a perfect <laughs> perfect example. But you know, that's in a lot of the horticultural industry. That's what a lot of people use as a bible for identification. Uh, yeah. So it's um, you and, know, but uh, and Fran, I'll tell you too that uh, I just saw another common name for Calacanthus floridus is eastern sweep shrub. Okay, so yeah, it's both. So it's you know I think these are all things that we love and you know unfortunately they're native they're just not native to our area they're mm-hmm. they're native either a little further south or a little further west but um, and some of these cultivars like we we acknowledge how tough it is to find street species sometime even though that's what we're in the business of so um, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the things that are a guilty pleasure for us that you know we always talk about don't hold people to your standards you know we're not we're not perfect Mm -hmm. you know we may be you know more native than a lot of other people but we still make personal exceptions too so Mm -hmm. you know just remember that when dealing with with your neighbors or or friends so believe it or not tom we are just shy of an hour okay has that ever happened yeah we've been less than an hour before we're like gonna, how, how we're, shy of an hour are we? Like like two minutes. Oh, okay, like yeah, we're going to we be over an hour. But <laughs> I will say this: I was looking. Surprisingly, our top ten episodes are pretty much our longest episodes. Mm-hmm. Like it's the ones that are like an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. That's what really shocks me that those are the most popular. Yeah. But I wonder if that's I, because it took a couple days to listen to, and they spent I, more time. I think so. Is is it takes a little bit longer to listen to? There's typically a lot more content it's not just us babbling on it there's some more deeper conversations so i think it opens us up a little bit more i you know and i could be wrong and i'm sure there's people that would disagree with this statement but i i think technically when we go that long we would never let a an episode go that long if the content wasn't there like i think we kind of we know when we exhaust it like good content and start to draw it to an end Mm mm-hmm like we should probably yeah. do right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah that that is it. So. <laughs> but uh, well, I guess I will do it. That is yeah. it. Thank yeah. you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you everyone for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pines Nursery. Uh, thank you to R.J. Comer for our buzz theme music, which uh, it's nightly suicide, and I feel that's synonymous. 
uh, with our Buzz episodes. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. We actually do have new music coming up in the new year uh, for uh, Rooted Discussions. So we're actually – we've decided we're going to keep our Buzz theme music and we're going to keep our Meet the Guests theme music with Egocentric Plastic Men. And our next Rooted Discussion, we're going to – uh, introduce brand new theme music that I have a feeling is going to end up sticking and we'll, we'll probably tie it down there. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet and at YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget about the question and comment line. Uh, it's been a little quiet recently, so we'd like to see that pick up a little bit. Uh, call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. We're going to play that comment uh, or question on a future episode of The Buzz, and we're going to a- uh, answer it to the best of our ability. And uh, the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group is getting close to – I mean it's it's a lot closer to 1,000. Uh, we're going to hit that oh, soon yeah. I think with the way that it's growing. So. Uh, and again, even with the opening of the Facebook group, everything has been uh, so wonderful, and I love that about our group. And we get a lot of compliments about how helpful and polite our group is. So I'm really proud of all of you. Let's keep that going over there. Yeah. Um, you can now buy shirts and listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet uh, podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. We have that banner at the top of our website. You can click that to go to our Teespring store, and that's where you can pick out shirts. Um I thought about running a, a Black Friday promotion, Ooh. but the the reason I don't think we're going to, I may still decide to, but I don't think we're going to, of course you're listening to this on Black yeah. Friday, um, is because all it would do is just cut into the amount of dollars that these organizations would be getting. Yeah, so I if don't you want, want to get something for Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday, think of it more as a Giving Tuesday gift. You aren't necessarily... All the proceeds from these shirts are going to these organizations. So, And I do want to give it – you know what? And I apologize because this probably could have been for the next buzz. But I want to give a shout-out. We we had someone reach out. Joe from Seattle reached out to us uh, this week and said that everyone in his office would have one of these shirts if they would just give him their sizes. So okay. give give Joe the sizes so he can totally outfit the office. That would be wonderful. Yeah, that, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that would and th- be fantastic. And thank you for touching base with us. Yeah, That's, that was we, really nice. That Even was, if there was a little misunderstanding. There was a little, was, little community. <laughs> we didn't know what was going on for a second, uh, but we figured that out. No, but we, we appreciate you, you touching base with us and, and communicating with us and having a back and forth. Yeah, and, and we had a wonderful conversation. We appreciate all the kind words. So if you enjoy what you're hearing – Please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts uh, if, if that's where you listen or wherever you listen. If you're able to leave a review, we ask that you please do so because it just helps us get our message out there a little bit farther, gets more people interested in native plants. So if you're able to do it, that's one reason that it helps us. Uh, on top of that, I will give you a nice little shout-out on uh, the listener shout-out section of our of our episodes. I like that. I like that. So, Tom, it's actually your turn this week for a secret. Do you have one? Yes, I do. All and right. um it's not necessarily native plant related. It was just a kind of a cool experience. But uh, I mentioned before a couple times that I played lacrosse in college and then I coached lacrosse when I got a little older. But uh, when I was still playing, I, there's a big lacrosse tournament out in Vail, Colorado. And the team I was supposed to go with dropped out, but I already had tickets booked and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I ended up going on like this like free agents page for the tournament and got picked up by a team that was called Team 21. Okay. Um, and it was sponsored by Coors Light. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm. 21 years old yeah and we're sponsored by Coors Light there's got to be some kind of benefit yeah <laughs> to this and um oh it was a much bigger benefit than I thought because uh Pete Coors if you're a little older you probably remember him from the the Coors commercials yeah um he his son played lacrosse in college and he was the one who ran this team oh so we were actually at like all our team functions were at like the Coors Vale ski cottage oh <laughs> that that's awesome and uh yeah a couple guys i made friends with out there we were all doing our best version of like uh what's it like core is the banquet beer <laughs> 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 we were doing, just really doing our best impressions on it and we uh we we built up a little liquid courage and had pete cores cornered at this barbecue and said hey you know we could probably save you a lot of money if you use us to do these <laughs> these voiceovers and um and we like I, the one guy was really good at it yeah so he did it and he's like 
That was terrible. He's like, I what's what's the guy's name who does it? Sam, uh, the big the cowboy movie oh, guy. Oh, um, Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. He's yeah. like, we pay Sam Elliott a lot of money to do this, and yeah, he's a professional. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are terrible. <laughs> but no, that was a lot of fun. It was just a cool experience that I still look back on. And that know. is awesome. That there, is... There's not a lot of people uh, who probably can go to a, a bar and like any Coors product is on the, the Coors tab. It was. That was kind of cool. You know, I I totally appreciate that because given my social anxiety, I don't know if I would have had the courage to just go on a free agent page and take a trip out to Vail. Now I know you knew other people. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure your brother, my brother and your dad was going. Went. Yeah, yeah, my dad went. Yeah, so I think but, my mom went too. But to to go and just get put on a team with people you don't know and have a cool experience yep. like that—that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it definitely worked out. I I made the right choice. Yes, yes <laughs> I didn't you play did. as much because we had a really good team, but and I was a. a uh, backup goalie for that team. So I didn't get to play as much as I would have with other teams, but it definitely was worth it for the, the team bonding part of it. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Great, great, great secret. You just upped so, the ante for for next one. For yeah, <laughs> so again, we hope you enjoyed everything. Please leave a review. It really, really helps. With that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we will see you again next time. I think it's uh, Meet the Guest, I believe. Uh, we haven't had we, – we haven't gotten it finalized yet, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So thank you again for joining us. Until next time, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.